Hello and welcome to Strange Sound. This is Joe. This is episode 27 of Strange Sound. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for listening. I know there are some folks listening out there. Uh, I haven't heard from any of you, but I know some of you exist. And perhaps some of you are bots. I have no idea. To the bots, I say, hello, bots. How are you then? Um, If you have any kind of capability for feedback, uh, please provide me some robotic feedback. Let me know whether you uh, agree or disagree or have some issue to take with my uh, my opinions that I share so freely on strange sound, which makes it part of what makes it so strange. It's also just the song. I suppose I should explain to folks that uh, the, <laughs> the title Strange Sound is kind of like a back formation, as they say in linguistics. It's... Uh, Strange Sound is really just drawn from the stupid music that I play at the beginning, uh, which is just kind of me futzing around with uh, uh, with um, Cubase and some of the uh, capabilities within there. And I, I came up with that little piece that I called Strange Sound. And uh, so I thought, well, I, I guess I'll just call... I'll call my podcast Strange Sound and uh, come up with a rationale that makes sense, um, that uh, justifies calling it Strange Sound. And, and I think the rationale I originally gave was that it was that I was going to express opinions that aren't often expressed in other venues. Um, that may or may not be true. I don't really know. I mean, sometimes I might hit on something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. But uh, none of this is terribly original, so strange sound. Not much of a rationale for that title. It's probably pretty poor marketing. The ironic thing is that I've worked in marketing most of my life. <laughs> I've worked in marketing and advertising most of my life, so uh, it just goes to show. When it comes to uh, marketing myself in some respect, I'm terrible. So uh, thank you for listening to this. I appreciate it. I realize it's largely um due to factors probably other than my efforts to get people to listen to this because I'm terrible at that <laughs> but I appreciate your your listening to this and I appreciate any feedback that you can give me I'd be happy to hear it I'd like to turn this into a conversation as I've said many times my standard disclaimer is simply that the opinions expressed on strange sound are my own they represent no one else um, not my family members, not my wife, not my co-workers, not the company that I work for, not my neighbors, um, no one else but me. It's just me. It's all me. It's all about me. Anyway, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, boy, oh boy, what a week it's been, right? Probably the biggest story this past week has been the one coming out of, I believe, the Atlantic magazine? Is that where Jeffrey Goldberg writes? 
um, or he serves as an editor of The Atlantic, I believe, uh, where he is reporting on some eh, not surprising things that the president has said about veterans and you know how they're losers and suckers and so on um in his considered opinion um the president being quoted by unnamed officials is and and this has been you know this has been more or less um confirmed by other other news outlets i think ap followed up on it um Fox has followed up on it. They've found confirmation of a lot of what's being reported in this in this article. Um, I think it's worth saying that, as Glenn Greenwald has pointed out on Twitter, which is where most things get pointed out these days, um, Jeff uh, Goldberg is someone who was known known as uh, one of the primary journalistic cheerleaders for the Iraq war um, has been totally full of shit more than once in his life. And uh, so just putting that out there, uh, I'm not saying that, that what's being said in this article is not true. Far from it. It is incredibly believable. It's not surprising at all. I mean, the thing that's most surprising about it is how unsurprising it is. Uh, we've heard very similar things reported on the, about the president before, and um, and we've actually heard him saying things very similar to what he's being what's being attributed to him through this article. Uh, so it's not surprising at all. It's not shocking. It's it's just you know I mean he the guy is a jackass. Not to put too fine a point on it, Donald Trump is a jackass, and. The fact that he considers anyone um, who ends up in the military either joins or is drafted and gets, you know, shot down, imprisoned, um, killed, whatever. Uh, the fact that he considers people like that suckers and losers um, is no surprise at all. The guy just grew up that way, thinking that he himself is Superman and everyone else is a loser. He thinks everybody's a loser, except him. Anyone that doesn't love him is a loser. And even a lot of the people who love him are losers, in his opinion. He's a proto-fascist. I mean, that's part of what makes him a proto-fascist. It's it's the cult of personality that he himself has cultivated. He is his first acolyte. So, you know, none of it's surprising. I mean, part of what's a little disturbing about this story for me, and I will share this uh, amongst friends here, is that <laughs> is just uh, in some respect, um, some of the reporting about the conflicts that are sort of drawn into this story by way of you know veterans of these conflicts being more or less denigrated by the president. Um, let, let me make myself clear here, okay? I do not hold veterans or active military accountable for the um, conflicts um, in which they participate. Um, their um, agency in these conflicts is is limited. Um, 
those conflicts are being conducted um, mostly because of us, because of our political leaders, and those political leaders are at least nominally accountable to us. So really they're representing um, our will when they invade a place like Iraq or a place like Afghanistan or a place like Vietnam. Um, That's down to us. We're responsible for these conflicts. And I don't, you know, the people that get caught up in it, that get either drafted or are volunteers and, uh, and go out there, um, they are, in my opinion, less responsible than we are. I think I may have talked about this on the podcast before. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to glorify these conflicts by um, – by way of praising uh, the people that uh, Trump is calling losers, uh, I I think in a lot of ways veterans have been victimized and abused, and um, they have diminished responsibility for what happens in these conflicts. That's my opinion. I mean, they may think differently about it. I mean, every everyone is different. There's I'm sure there are as many opinions as there are veterans. With regard to that, my own personal opinion is just that we who uh, don't participate in these conflicts, but who elect the leaders that actually start the conflicts, we are more responsible for what happens over in Iraq and over in Afghanistan uh, than the people who are actually sent there, in my opinion. So a, a lot of what you'll hear in some of the reporting around this story about Trump is... There's a sort of um, bank shot glorification of some of these conflicts. Like I think I remember there was at some point someone was talking about how Trump had had said, "Well, who was the good guy in uh, World War One?" Um, because of that uh, World War One cemetery that he didn't want to visit because they were a bunch of losers and because it was raining and his hair would get wet. And and other things. And at some point he was saying something along the lines of, and I haven't, again, I haven't read this article. I've just heard reporting on it. Something along the lines of, well, who was, who were the good guys in that war? And, you know, my reaction to that is that, you know, there were no good guys in World War One. There were no good guys in terms of who was participating in that war. It was a travesty. It was the assholes versus the fuckers. Right? Does anyone want to dispute that? It was the assholes versus the fuckers. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to get deeply into it, but I mean, I I think it's it's pretty clear that World War I was a travesty, was a meat grinder, and it was completely pointless and was just a great power, you know, dust up uh, in which rich people, you know, um, pitchforked a bunch of poor people into a bloody conflict that cost millions and millions of lives and accomplished virtually nothing except setting the stage for the next massive world conflict. Um, it was disgusting. So, I, you know, Things like that, some of the things that I hear said about Vietnam and Indochina and all that stuff is like really, really kind of infuriating. But 
yeah, on a on a more superficial level, just the fact that Trump would be this much of a dick about vet- veterans and active military is uh, is not surprising at all. It's not surprising at all. He's a tremendous dick. So anyway, that's about all I'm going to say about that. Um, because you've probably heard all about this. If you listen to the radio, if you watch TV, um, you've probably heard about this story um, ad infinitum over the last few days. It's really just been on and on. And again, my my home television is usually turned to MSNBC. My wife watches a lot of it. So uh, I've heard just a million iterations of the same story. They're hammering on it because, you know, this is this is not good for the president. We'll see if it makes any difference. I mean, I seem to remember uh, back in 2016, there was the Access Hollywood tape, and that was supposed to sink his uh, presidential ambitions. Uh, it didn't. So we'll see. We'll see. Teflon Don. There we go. Anyway, um... Speaking of the election, (laughs) and I have spoken of the election plenty on this podcast. Um, People will accuse me of being an electoralist. That may be true. Um, All I can say is the closer we get to this election, the more it seems like it's going to be a total clusterfuck. And that really bothers me. um, Because... It's being orchestrated as such. As you probably already know, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this, um, then you're, you're probably aware of the fact that the Trump administration is doing everything it can to throw up as much chafe as possible to blind everybody and to confuse everybody and to, um, sort of create a maelstrom through which they can, um, you know, drive some kind of suicide truck (laughs) and, uh, and just blow their way through the election and somehow end up still president on the other side. I think it's possible. I think it may even be likely that they'll, that they'll at least try to do that. Um, I've heard some pretty, um, frightening doomsday scenarios from some fairly reasonable commentators. These aren't people that are really on the fringes. These are people that I respect and that are, are you know, thoughtful, considered commentators, um, suggesting that in battleground states, um, if on election day, as is expected, the outcome seems to favor Trump before the counting of absentee and mail-in ballots, um, that there will be legal challenges and that it's possible that there will be something equivalent to uh, the 2000 Brooks Brothers riot in in Florida, um, except this time with Proud Boys and... Uh, right-wing militia members, you know, bearing AR-15s, attempting to do like a a citizen's um, intervention of some kind um, to stop the vote counting. And, you know, that's 
that's conceivable. Um, also, I, I think I think Sam Cedar pointed out on Majority Report that uh, a lot of the states um, that are considered battleground states have um, Supreme Courts, state level Supreme Courts that are controlled by the Republicans. So Wisconsin has a Republican dominated state Supreme Court. I believe Michigan does. Um, Florida certainly does. So if there is a legal dispute, um, and you can almost bet on the fact that if it's a close election in any of these swing states that the Justice Department under Bill Barr will file a lawsuit to um, enjoin the uh, the balloting procedure and the counting procedure, uh, particularly with regard to mail-in ballots, because there's, they've been busily setting the predicate that mail-in ballots are unreliable, that they're rife with fraud, that there's something wrong with them. Um, Barr was just on television last weekend talking about this um, with absolutely no evidence. Um, he, he is, as everyone knows, he is a movement conservative, reactionary piece of shit. And um, he is setting the predicate in cooperation with the president um, to dispute the results of this election, particularly if vote by mail is a significant part of the vote. And there's nothing wrong with vote by mail. There is no evidence that it is that it is um, more susceptible to fraud. The president himself does it. His family does it. Bill Barr does it. I mean, they're just doing this because they're afraid they're going to lose. And this is a way they see that they can win the election. Even if, and they know they're going to get less votes than probably Biden-Harris, right? They're probably going to get less votes than them. Maybe you know, as many less as, you know, 5 to 10 million. So they want to be able to say that a lot of the votes for the other side are, are fraudulent. And because they know that... Um, COVID is driving people to do mail-in ballots rather than in-person voting, um, they see an opportunity here. And that's why they've been viciously attacking uh, mail-in voting and they've been um, attacking the post office, right? Because the post office is an important component in mail-in in, in mail voting. You know, Donald Trump attacks every institution that causes him headaches. He attacked the FBI. He attacked the, he is attacking the post office. Um, whatever gets in his way, whatever causes him a problem um, and is restricting him in some way, um, it gets thrown under the bus. This is really all about him, right? I've talked about this before, and you you know as well as I do. I mean, he's they're setting the predicate for challenging the results of this election, particularly with respect to mail-in voting. So the thing I wanted to say today is I want to encourage people to only vote by mail. I mean, you know, I'm kind of channeling Ben Dixon on this. I think Ben's right about this. You should only vote by mail if you really need to. 
if you've got extenuating circumstances. I really want to encourage people to vote in person, if at all possible. There are 39 states and the District of Columbia that allow early voting. 39 states allow early voting in some form or another. Uh, I am going to include in the show notes uh, a link or two to some resources on this. But like everything else having to do with elections in the United States, it's a patchwork of 50 different systems. But something close to 40 of these systems um, include provisions for early voting under certain circumstances in, in on certain days. Uh, some of them on weekends. Like in New York here, uh, we, we get, I think, one weekend where we can go and vote early, which I fully intend to do so that you're not crushing in on, on election day. Uh, I really encourage people the, to the extent possible to get yourself an M95 mask, get some nice gloves, <laughs> uh, get a hazmat suit if you have to, uh, get an Apollo space suit if you need to, uh, get scuba gear, I don't care. Just get over there and cast your vote in the way that uh, that you might otherwise normally do in a time that isn't being bracketed by COVID. Because I think that they are going to, they're going to try to crack open this uh, vote by mail. Um, they're going to try to have those ballots thrown out. And, you know, we should fight to preserve those ballots. I think, I think the Democratic Party might have the belly for that fight um, and not let the Republican Party sort of rule the narrative on this. But it's going to be difficult. And I think we'd be better off if we ran up the numbers, ran up the totals, ran up the lead, particularly in these battleground states, on election day and before election day. It would really help to have a lead in these states before those mail-in votes are counted. It would really help to have that. It would really help to have a lot of those states called before they, they count those um, absentee ballots and those vote-by-mail ballots. I, I think that's the most reliable way to get rid of Trump, to undermine his case for staying. They're still going to call fraud. They're still going to challenge the election, trust me. That that won't matter in terms of whether or not they, they are willing to you know use all the levers of power that they have at their disposal to um, queer this election, to like um, jimmy it so that they can continue in office. They are absolutely determined to do that. But if we can run up the total on election day, um, it undermines their case considerably. The scenario that we need to avoid really is to have a situation in which they are ahead on election day and there are a lot of mail-in ballots still out, still being counted for days, maybe weeks after the election, and that each day they're going to be hammering away at that, both legally and rhetorically, um, and possibly physically, you know, with the presence of some of their thug allies. 
Um, the only thing I can say is we need to be, to the extent possible, willing to push this along a little bit. So <laughs> if people are afraid to go to the polls, we need to make it easier for them to go to the polls, to go to, into early voting. Um, if they need PPE, we need to be able to find some way to get PPE to people who are worried about this, right? Uh, we need to get them good masks. We need to get them gloves. And we need to encourage them to try it and to and to help them carry it out. Um, I think that's, you know, that's probably a lot further than a lot of activists are willing to go. But for those who uh, still consider this election important, it might be a really good idea to try to invest both some time and some resources into increasing people's confidence about voting early and about voting on election day. If people need to stand in line, maybe it's having poll watchers go out there and make sure people keep a six-foot interval, make sure people have the masks they need and the gloves they need, make sure that people have any supplies they need and um, the support they need to, to stay in line and to cast their ballots. And that's... You know, look, uh, I think Ben Dixon said it. If you're going to the grocery store, if you're going to, you know, the the pharmacy or whatever, you're already taking more risk probably than you would take voting early. Um, so if you're in one of these 39 states that allow early voting, it would be a really good idea for you to get out there and get that ballot in. If you are going to vote absentee, if you are going to do mail-in balloting, fill that ballot out as soon as you get it. Don't wait. Fill it out as soon as you get it and send it back in. Get that thing in early. There's no point in waiting. Just get your ballot early, send it in early. And I realize that can be problematic, even in a state like New York. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast the problem that I had with um, absentee ballots in the primary, in the New York primary, um, whereby we didn't receive our ballots, even though we had requested ballots in plenty of time. They either forgot to send them to us or something went wrong. Not sure which. I ended up early voting. Uh, my my wife got a absentee ballot and we, we sent that eminent in and I believe it got in on time. Um, so uh, it could be worse, but, you know, even what's considered some of the better states on this uh, fuck up. And it's really better if if you have the time, if you have enough advanced time before the election itself that you take care of it early rather than late. Uh, early voting here, I think, is in New York, I'm saying, um, is, I believe, just the week before the election. Um, several days in a couple of locations. As I said before, I did the early vote on the uh, New York primary, even though Bernie was officially out of the race and went over and voted for Bernie. Um, <laughs> and it was... I mean, at least in the primary, it was fairly simple. 
I didn't have to wait in line. There were plenty of, plenty of booths. Um, I think I've, I've heard some of the, um, major sports franchises, I believe are opening up their facilities for early voting in some, some States, which sounds like a really good idea. Um, so I think it's in a lot of ways because it's, it's spread out over a stretch of days. It's a lot safer than going on election day because you're probably going to run into a lot fewer people. Um, so you're going to be exposing yourself a whole lot less to possible infection. It's always a consideration these days. I mean, obviously, every decision we make is fraught um, because of this COVID crisis. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what else we can do, though. We really do need to get rid of Trump. Uh, I feel very strongly about it. Um, I don't feel as strongly about Biden and Harris. I'm not a big fan. Um, but if they are the instrument with which we can get rid of Trump, that's great. And the day after we get rid of them, then we can turn our attention to them. Um, and, you know, obviously plan for the future. But yeah, so early vote, everyone. It's important. Uh, because I, I really do think that we're we're looking at <laughs> the closer we get to this election, uh, the more it becomes evident that we are looking at a potential um, history changing clusterfuck. <laughs> that they are gonna throw this this electoral system under the bus to save their own skins. Because they see how this is going. Trump cannot win a fair fight. He needs to cheat in order to stay in office, which is exactly why he's saying the exact opposite to that. He's telling his minions that the only way that he could possibly lose is if there's massive voter fraud. That his loss would be evidence of voter fraud in some way. And again, he's projecting. The man is like a five-year-old. He is the least convincing liar I've ever seen in my life. I've heard some people describe him as kind of a mad genius. He's not a genius. Far from it. He's not a stable genius. He's a moron. And he's a bad liar. And people who listen to him and believe what he says... This is really about something other than credibility. This is really more about identity politics. It's more about the cult of personality. It's more about party affiliation than it is about anything having to do with credibility. The man lies like a five-year-old. I've said it before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. He lies about things big and small. He lies so much he doesn't even know he's lying anymore. He makes up stories that a five-year-old could make up. I mean, the example that, that really got to me this week was <laughs> the thing about the um, supposed left-wing radical um, cadre of, of um, I don't know, I guess they're supposed to be Antifa, 
in uniform riding on a plane that some friend of his or some associate of his saw on a plane and that they were obviously bad dudes, that they were obviously out to cause trouble. (laughs) And the president, you know, was talking about how someone told him this and, you know, maybe they can share it with with members of the press, but I I have to talk to them about it to see if they're okay with it. And it's like, it's such a transparent lie. For one thing, it's a story that he picked up on the internet that probably is his mutant, one of his mutant sons handed to him because they troll around on, you know, 4chan or on Twitter or whatever and they see these memes and they probably pass them up to daddy. Oh, daddy, look at this. Look, daddy, love me. Pathetic little whelps. Anyway. He's he's just uh, lies like a five-year-old. I mean, honestly, does anyone believe anything he says? Really? It's pathetic. But still. I mean, that... that, (laughs) It's kind of an old story now, but that thing about the, the, you know, snakes on a plane, (laughs) the Antifa snakes on a plane, and how some of them had tattoos that said Antifa America... (laughs) which is bizarrely nationalist for Antifa. Um, As I think, uh, I keep cribbing Majority Report, but yeah, as I think they mentioned on Majority Report, it's like strangely, strangely nationalistic of uh, an Antifa member to have Antifa America on their their arm. Um, But yeah, that's... I mean, you listen to him talk about that and it is like listening to a five-year-old making up a story on the spot and expecting you to believe it, right? Who believes that? People who believe anything he says because they participate in the cult of personality and that he represents to them um, their stake in in the political you know, project of basically keeping white people on top and keeping brown people down. Right? Isn't that what it's about mostly? Partly. That's what they make it about for the rank and file. Um, Whether it's about that for, you know, the true constituents of Donald Trump, which are basically millionaires and billionaires. um, I don't know. Uh, I think it's mostly about, you know, keeping, working people down. And if the way to do that is to set the white working people at the brown working people's throats, um, then so be it. Divide and conquer. That's what they're best at. So just to wrap up, (laughs) my friends, just so that I'm not misunderstood. Again, I'll put this in context. Elections aren't the most important thing in the world. I realize that. I realize that organizers do very much more important work on the ground. Um, and I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not telling people what to do in this regard. I'm just saying, if this election is important to you, and I think, I think um, to the extent that it's going to involve just a few minutes of your time to, um, to either cast a vote or to decide whether or not to cast a vote (laughs) that it's, 
It's at least that important. It may not be the most important thing in the world, but it's still important. There are multiple things that are important, right? Some more important than others, but still important. We need to do them. We need to get rid of Trump. I think that's important. I think that's objectively important. I mean, I think I think we can all kind of agree to that. Um, I don't. I know we don't all agree, but it would be reasonable to uh, come to that conclusion. Um, then, once again, uh, please consider early voting rather than vote by mail. If you have to vote by mail, please vote early. Vote early. Get it in as as early as you possibly can. Let's try to win this thing. Um, on election day, if possible. And uh, if what happens is what we all think is going to happen, which is they are going to dispute the results of an election that doesn't go their way, um, then we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, But as I've said before, I think we need to be prepared to put feet in the street if we need to, um, peacefully but uh, determinedly (laughs) because this is, these people play for keeps. We have to play for keeps too. We have to be at least as determined as they are really more determined. Um, So again, you can hear from wiser people than me about this, but that's all I've got to say about it anyway. I'd like to hear what you have to say. I know I say this every episode, and I truly mean it. Um, If you go to my podcast site at anchor.fm slash strange sound, you'll find the means to leave a one-minute voicemail. I will be happy to listen to this and respond to it on the air. I'll be happy to play it on the air if you want me to. Um, If you don't want me to, you can tell me that. Um, But please, just tell me what you think. If you got pushback... If you disagree, if you agree, whatever, just tell me what you think. You can also reach me um, on Twitter at Strange Sound Pod. Um, you can also um, at the anchor.fm slash strange sound page. You can get to our um, social media properties. So the Twitter feed and the Facebook page are linked to from there. Um, if you go to big-green.net and click on the podcast um, tab, you will you will find a link to Strange Sound um, and to our other more ridiculous podcasts. And uh, be glad to hear from you. Um, by all means, reach out. You can IM me through Twitter. You can reach me in any number of different ways. I'm pretty easy to find. I look forward to hearing from you. Um, Until next time, take good care and hope to talk to you soon.